Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google. What makes them industry giants? Get ready to take a peek inside and learn their secrets of success. This is Silicon Valley Insider, the show that demystifies the valley and helps to elevate your business to the next level. Now, your host for Silicon Valley Insider, Keith Koo. Welcome to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. On today's show, I have Dr. Andrew Kim, who just wrote the book, Culture for Left Brain Leader, Strategy, Tactics, and Implementation for Transformative Results. It's already number one on the Amazon bestsellers list for organizational change in a number of other business categories. So don't go away. On this week's tech news, first up is that Zoom, which debuted about a year and a half ago uh, with two great success on its IPO, especially with COVID-19 and actually went gangbusters from 10 million to 200 million users overnight. They just settled an $85 million lawsuit because they were accused of giving out data to Facebook. So Zoom actually settled that case for $85 million. Also, Words with Friends, a game that Zynga was using, they also decided that they're going to arbitrate a case on their data breach. Food delivery services in the European Union are facing fines for GDPR over its AI algorithms, claiming that the AI discriminates against certain people. Although this is a European Union case, and involves their big food delivery groups like Deliveroo. Um, this is something that could actually happen in the US if similar food delivery apps are also seen to be discriminating against certain classes or types of people. So I'll stay close to that. In our last story of this week, Japanese startup iSpace has just raised $46 million for planned moon missions and this is just something that's becoming more on the forefront as companies also like firefly are competing to deliver low-cost moon missions and that is the tech news of the week welcome back to the show once again my guest today is dr andrew kim who just released a book called culture for the left brain leader strategy tactics and implementation for transformative results Welcome, Andrew. Thank you, Keith. Uh, thank you for the uh, opportunity to talk about a little bit about the book. It was a big um, pr project of mine to share some major realizations that I've made along my own business journeys and along when I've helped other businesses uh, with it as well, too. Some of the trends and patterns I'm finding to actually consolidate a lot of the lessons um, together uh, within that book. So I'm very glad to have it out. Thank you very much. Sure. Well, congratulations. I mean, I think this is where the interesting part of the journey is finding out more about you. I mean, you start off as a dentist. That's right. How does a dentist go on to write a book on culture and strategy? <laughs> That's a great question. Well, first of all, um, I, ha I have a training in um, dentistry, periodontics, and also an MBA. So I've always had an interest in the topics of business as well, too. And um, and part of the fact um, you'll realize from the title of the book is culture for the left brain leader. So I am a left brain uh, individual. So and, and why don't we why don't we explain what left brain versus right brain is? 
Absolutely. A left brain is someone who sees the world with logic. They perceive it based upon systems, analytics, data. So not only that, along um, my training from an MBA, that's just how I got to understand business. And so even when I embarked upon my journey as a business leader from my uh, as an entrepreneur, the first thing I did was I, I consolidated the best processes and systems um, within the industry. And not only did I do that, I actually started looking for um, for other processes and systems from other industries. Now, when I started the business, it actually came together um, pretty nicely and quickly. However, you plateau at a certain point. Yeah, you when realize, you say started a business, you mean a business as being a periodontist? Uh, yes, I, I did some. I did perio um, as a as a consultant and also um, a brick and mortar as well too. Okay, just want to make sure we have context that you, when people think about it, oftentimes they're not thinking about that they're. They're dentists, they're periodontists, they're endodontists. These are actually businesses. They're more thinking of, this is my my uh, healthcare provider. But yeah, I wanted you to go more. Into that. <laughs> sure, absolutely. So I mean, there are a lot of uh, a, a lot of similar moving pieces. In fact, I actually gained a lot of inspiration from the tech industry and how they do business. They do business very differently from other industries. But that aside, and we grew very rapidly from the beginning, and we plateaued at a certain point, and. That's when um, that's actually when I encountered a lot of challenges with my um, with my team, profitability, um, ability to maintain quality assurance. At the same time, started bringing all my problems home, all my stresses, all everything that happened at work. And I quickly realized this is not a good, sustainable situation. And at that point, that's when I started working with a, a business coach who who encouraged me to look at things from a different angle. Well, long story short, after a lot of cuts and bruises, sweat, blood, and tears, we pulled through. And actually, it was me getting past the mindset of, of systems and processes. Naturally, I already think like that. So um, whenever I had challenges, I would try to introduce more systems and processes. That was actually counterintuitive because I wasn't addressing the issues head on, which was actually more in the lines of culture. Now, interestingly, when I was when I was addressing them, I didn't know that's what I was doing. I was do I was pretty much uh, given um, encouraged to do a particular set of things that were that were based upon management and leadership, and I and I did them, and it was very uncomfortable because it's not it wasn't my natural way of doing things. Well, long story short, we got we got through and uh, we pulled through and and got to a situation that I'm very happy with. That's when I started under like reverse engineering, because I needed to understand what I went through. What, what did I just go through? Because I went through a, a major transform, transformation process and nothing that, I, nothing that I studied or consolidated um, in terms of processes and systems actually made sense. And that's when I started trying to understand it. And that's when I um, realized it all consolidated in the topic of culture. Not only that, I gained an interest in sharing, um, sharing this journey with others, make a similar transformation. And I realized there's an equally um, equal amount of confusion regarding this topic because most material, most business media out there uh, talks about culture as in like vulnerability, soft skills, lean in, that kind of stuff, which are very important components. However, I've come to learn there's a lot more to that.
And that's when I started again doing what I normally do, try to bring in every every um, knowledge base to explain the phenomenon that I went through, and 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 doing by doing so, I can help other companies do it uh, just as well. And so that's where I consolidated it for this book, and I'm and I'm happy to share it with everyone along that along the lessons in the journey. Well, it was a great start, and mm-hmm. we'll get into your book in just the next segment. So you're listening to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm yep. your host, Keith Koo. Guest today is Dr. Andrew Kim, a dentist by trade with an MBA, who wrote his latest book, or I should say, who wrote a book, Culture for the Left Brain Leader, Strategy, Taxes, and Implementation for Transformative Results. Andrew, how do they get a hold of the book? Uh, you can get a hold of it on Amazon. Uh, just type in culture. For the left-brained leader. All right. We'll be talking more about the book right when we get back. If you have any questions or comments, you can email us at info at svn.biz. Find Culture for the Left-Brained Leader on Amazon.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and of course, I'm on Clubhouse. And we'll be right back. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. My guest today is Dr. Andrew Kim, a trained dentist, periodontist with an MBA. But he also has done a lot of work on strategy and just came out with a book called Culture for Left Brain Leader, Strategy, Tactics, and Implementation for Transformative Results. Welcome back, Andrew. Thank you, Keith. So, Andrew, the famous business coach, business leader, Peter Drucker, once said that culture eats strategy for breakfast. Yes, he did. How does that resonate with the work that you've published? Oh, I actually quoted within the book at one point, but I wholeheartedly agree with it. The, the most fascinating thing is once you actually take a, a step back and reevaluate the infrastructure of your organization based upon the people and the culture, you realize a lot of other things starts filling in the dots, um, the gaps. And what that does is it when you actually lead through culture, it consolidates a lot of the other technical moving pieces together to the point where you no longer need to know every single thing that's going on within your organization, which is an empowering thing. And not only that, okay, and in, within the book, I do talk about how culture interrelates with strategy. Strategy has a high dependence on the culture or the organization. Like, given the same amount of resources, capabilities, and and processes introduced within an organization, the output of ROI and the desired synergistic efforts are very different. And the, and the differing point is actually the culture or the organization. So doesn't it make sense to actually intentionally in, invest in the culture of the organization? Because a lot of people think that it comes by default, but yes, it can happen by default, but you can actually intentionally move the needle on the culture. It's not easy to do, and not a lot of people understand it very well, and that's where we actually talk about and dive deep within, within, the, uh, within the book. Thanks, Andrew. Mm-hmm. 
So um, as we've discussed offline, my undergraduate work is in organizational development, organizational behavior. <laughs> and uh, mm -hmm. I love this topic. Um, having spent all of my career in Silicon Valley in San Francisco, banking and or technology companies, I was always fascinated with culture in business. So when the book came out, Good to Great, written by James Collins, he talked about the level five leaders. And I'm going to brag a little bit because uh, the first company I worked for was Wells Fargo. Now, not the Wells Fargo today, but the Wells Fargo 90s, which at the time was considered the best run bank in the world. We did the world's largest bank merge at the time for Center State, which I was on the M&A team for. And then in the book, he wrote about Cisco Systems, where I spent most of my formative years and how John Chambers, who uh, was at the home for 20 years at that point in time, when the book was published, he was uh, written. Collins had written that John Chambers could be the next level five leader. Now that did not happen for whatever reason, but just super fascinating because I've spoken a lot offline about how each of the Silicon Valley tech companies has its certain culture, certain style. When I negotiate deals with these companies, oftentimes I have in mind what their corporate culture and strategy is and how I actually negotiate with them or against them. So it's just fascinating that you are actually synthesizing that into a published work. What was the impetus behind the book? You talked about your background. You talked about how you saw patterns. What actually got you to write this book? Well, one major thing is the single most important um, realization I made in my life. It's because I actually hit a low point, um, which got me to start looking into um, for answers. I, I was stressed out. Um, profitability was taking a hit. I, I couldn't quality assure everything the way I wanted to. Team dynamic was a challenge. And it's a very stressful place to be. And because it turned my life around so much, that's why it meant a lot to me. Because it, because it really was one of the greatest uh, realizations I've made. Now, interestingly, it's a very tough uh, topic to rationalize. And also, I just love understanding things. And that's why I had to go ahead and dissect it in order, to, um, in order to repeat it, because I wanted to help others along the journey as well, too. And interestingly, the, the larger an organization gets, because it's at scale and no longer you have um, direct access to everybody, now you have to do it with organized efforts. Now the moving pieces changes a little bit as well too, which makes it a little bit more interesting. Okay, and so you know, again, we talk about um, approaching that at scale within the book as well too. But it's a very, very fascinating topic, and it's I, most of the business media out there. I don't think it does it justice because so much of it is about um, fluff, hype. Well. I do know that uh, a lot of those um, soft skill components um, and, and leaning in is a, is a heavy lifting component in it. But then I've come to realize that that's just one of the, one of the pieces. I found that there's around five pillars to really helping uh, a, an organization intentionally transform its culture. And how we approach management and leadership is one of them. And it is a tough one to move, especially for larger companies that tend to have um, a more traditional way of doing things. But there's more. An another one is how we set up our rituals and rhythms in terms of how we um, checkpoint and reevaluate where, where we are at. 
Um, how we design that, that, that's actually a major one. What we do and how we do it. Another one is how we approach strategy. Like some organizations, they don't really look ahead, other, whereas other ones, they look so far ahead and plan so much, but then they didn't really include anyone else. So there's a strategy chasm that exists between senior leadership and the rest. Otherwise, there's also another type of where you almost call them like a, a flavor of the month um, strategy where they just swap around so much that no one really knows what's going on. Another one is our cross functions. It's not just about the soft stuff. There are a lot of there are a lot of operational processes, human resources, and even finance considerations that can either block or support it. And oftentimes, organizations have processes in place, especially the larger ones. However, they they haven't been intentionally designed in order to um, in order for the culture to flow in a very organic and vibrant manner. So reassessing that's also very important. And the last one is if a transformation isn't is necessary maneuvering around the buy-in process within consideration of the psychology of the of the people we're trying to get buy-in for that's another that's a another major component that can be a tricky one when there's some wound healings that need to occur but some some organizations you know we already have a great environment so tweaking little things here and there can actually create a ripple effect of an enormous amount of value because some some organizations that i've helped they already have the philosophy in place however there's these little blockers here and there in terms of how they've um, structured their um, rhythms and rituals or processes or cross functions and just by just by minor tweaks we can create an, a lot uh, an enormous amount of value so I think culture is uh, culture uh, is much more than what people make it out to be and a lot of a lot of businesses a lot of leaders they they sometimes uh, discount it as like a checklist or fad item that they need to go through in order their things done, or they abdicate it completely to their HR department or some of their middle managers. However, that doesn't really work too well. An approach that actually uses um, business and strategy integration in mind tends to work a lot better. And that does involve um, some involvement, a reasonable amount of involvement, not too much from the senior leaders because I know they have a lot of higher high priorities and juggling a lot of uh, things at once. But it tends to work very well and very and and a flow occurs in a very vibrant and organic manner. Let, let's come back to that in our next segment. Sure. And I appreciate you gave the five pillars. So download the podcast if you want to catch those five pillars again. You're listening to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host Keith Koo. Guest today is Dr. Andrew Kim, who just released his book. Culture for a Left Brain Leader, Strategy, Tactics, and Implementation for Transformative Results. It's available on Amazon.com. If you have any questions or comments, email us at info at svan.biz. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn, and we'll be right back. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. My special guest today is Dr. Andrew Kim, who just wrote the book, Culture for the Left Brain Leader, Strategy, Tactics, and Implementation for Transformative Results. It is a number one bestseller on Amazon in organizational change and a number of other business categories. So we'll be talking more with Dr. Kim in just a few moments. On this week's Cyber Tip, I'm going to talk about two things. 
sort of related that they both involve ransomware, but they're different. So one is that ransomware actors have now gotten more sophisticated and have set up a realistic call center to field customer support inquiries and then to get you to download ransomware onto your machines. So if you misdialed a number very close to a legitimate phone number to a call center or whether you are responding from a phishing attack via an email, they're now going to have you talk to what feels like a legitimate call center so that they can find a way to get access to your machine or your phone. And then also researchers have uncovered that there is an Android application that is also looking at malware and how they're doing it is by screen recording. So in this case, once you've got the infected app on your phone or you download the app onto your phone, it starts recording your actions on the screen, including your banking credentials and your passwords. So through keystrokes and through screen recording, it will get your credentials. I bring up both the call center and the screen recording and just something that you as the individual need to prepare yourself for and just always be vigilant. And that is the cyber tip of the week. Welcome back to the show. Once again, I'm joined with Dr. Andrew Kim, who just released a book titled Culture for Left Brain Leader, Strategy, Tactics, Implementation for Transformative Results. It is available on amazon.com. Andrew is a trained dentist, periodontist, but also uh, with an MBA has helped organizations transform with the idea that culture is important. So welcome back, Andrew. Thank you. Thank you, Keish. So this is a really important topic. I talk about it a lot online and offline, this whole concept that whatever we've come up with since even the industrial revolution or even the agrarian economy before that we're in a transition as an economy as a society and here in silicon valley uh, companies are seen as more nimble than traditional industries or other industries yet i've had lots of conversations with other thought leaders technologists c-level executives on how difficult it is to change culture so one of the things that comes up very often um is this concept that tech companies, as they get successful and big, they want to protect the core. And so to do anything, any adjustments, because earlier in the show, you're talking about making some tweaks here and there, you can, you can get better results. So we've used examples like turning the Titanic. We've talked about how, uh, like when I was at Cisco, we would actually seed companies internally. So some of the biggest products at Cisco were stealth spin-ins, which are like homegrown acquisitions. And that when they launched, Yes, they were successful products, but at the same time, they actually negatively impacted general uh, feeling by the, the mass of the corporation. And there's other after effects with that. Um, I've had the CEO of uh, FreshBooks who talked about how uh, after 15 years of success, they realized they needed to change the platform. And so they took a stealth team, created a, a separate anonymous company with a core group of 15 people. And then after having tested the product for a number of months, spraying it on the company that they were transitioning to the new uh, platform it, amongst shock amongst the entire company. So it's an important topic. So I wanted to talk about in this segment, like what are some of the examples you have? What are some of the use cases and what results have you seen? 
Well, um, before I start, um, started diving into the cases, I um, some, some cases, you brought up some interesting points about how scale or when different cultures mer- um, merge together, what is it like managing that dynamic? And because you mentioned um, ver- various interfaces that exist between a larger traditional one that's that has uh, that's a parent company um, of a smaller, more innovative company, and that in of itself is a very unique dynamic to try to manage uh, simply because um, the the smaller company they're trying they're used to doing things bottom up and innovatively yet yet the parent company oftentimes tries to has a lot more red, red tape and and also um, um, does things on a top-down manner with fixed budgets and this is how we do things um, so it's a very unique uh, dynamic to um, to manage and in that being said sometimes sometimes it has to be in a consideration where uh, um, they have to be uh, managed in a different way now sometimes I can also um, uh, alter expectations um, that are happening from other parts of the organization so there are some a lot of nuances associated with that situation so I just want to throw a couple of <laughs> just thoughts on on that but going back to um just maybe uh like a particular case where we talked where we talk about intentionally uh, moving um the needle on a culture now uh, i i'll start talking about a situation where um where um it was a company that uh, i i began helping in the earlier phases of COVID. And there were challenges uh, associated with um, trying to get used to the remote work environment. At the same time, um, uh, they were growing, and as they were growing, it was getting harder and harder to um, to maintain and manage the culture. They really wanted to maintain that startup um, feeling. However, as you scale it, as you know, that's hard to um, keep that because the thing is, you don't have a small group of co-founders that have that have skin in the game. Um, uh, as the core team anymore, that there's more people that aren't in that situation. And in a situation like that, you have to actually make a realization and recognition that that is no longer the, the majority of the people and start shifting the mindset into what works when we try to scale. Now, that being said, when we're trying to shift a culture, we have to understand the various phases of psychology that exist within it okay um in the first phase uh, i like to call it just the pre-culture phase really which is really um where everyone's just trying to um um meet the business needs okay so no one's really thinking about it the second phase is um culture uh, awareness which is when we're starting to become aware of it and try to be intentional about it there we can plan ahead in terms of setting up some communicational structures in place so that as we try the transformation we are well prepared for it because i can tell you when you go into the third phase of culture initiation that's a scarier phase if we're actually doing a transformation because that's where we have to be vulnerable and sometimes um, lean in. And that's where sometimes where we need a little wound healing and there might be some disgruntled folks. So having good communication, good communicational plans, really understanding our audience, what their mindsets are, what do they want, what they want to hear, and also having having the right channels in place so that we can have an organic discussion as we go along, that's pivotal because I remember the first time I did a culture um, transformation, I didn't have any of that. And so I was just told, hey, you know what? Tell your team X, Y, and Z, it's going to be great. I did it. I was told it's going to be awesome. It wasn't awesome. 
what I found out was one third of the room, they looked upset. One third of the room, they couldn't care either way. The other third of the room, they seemed happy. I was going in there with the mentality that most people would be happy, but that's not what, what happened. And then I had to deal with fires there afterwards as well, too, because I just shifted a lot of things from what people anticipated. Is there a but, difference between a command top-down approach from the leadership? Because you were talking about one-third, one-third, one-third. Is it, does it matter in terms of who's in power and who's engaged you to do the transformation? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the way I like to look at it is, oh, this is where we have to start looking at, um, at who is bought in and where they're, where they're at based upon influence and also based upon their attitude. Hopefully, the more influential ones are on your side. Hopefully, okay? But um, besides that, you, um, there, there is like a measure of um, how much they're bought in and by when. Um, the closest analogy I have to this is the product life cycle. You know how there's uh, early adopters, majority, and, um, and the laggards. So you want to know who your early adopters are. And in such cases, you want to partner with them, okay? The, and partner with them so you can win over the a majority because the majority isn't going to be bought in until they see more and more people uh, follow suit. So number one, setting your expectations real so that as you're getting buy-in, you're not going to get everyone right off the bat. So, you know, as, as a leader, you know, you don't have to be disappointed. Be patient, continue, continue based upon... Um, Edu educating them, getting their buy-in, uh, letting them know how they fit within the organization um, based upon this transformation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and hitting it from multiple angles at once, especially with those who are your early adopters. And some of your early adopters are also the ones who are also conceptualizing initiatives as well, too. And then there's the laggards. Now, the laggards, um, there's, there's two different types of laggards. Um, there's the laggards who are... Um, who, who actually have legitimate concerns that want to be heard and, and want those concerns addressed so that you can actually turn them over to um, someone who's bought in earlier on and partner with them. There are those who aren't like that, okay? And sometimes we have to monitor them in a way where not a lot of damage is being done within the organization, if you, if you know what I mean. So... Um, there has to be a prudent understanding of the buy-in landscape, okay? And a good good uh, plan of attack to keep people on the same page, okay? Because once we actually achieve that, that, that's when we can go for a phase where we're, where we're actually trying to marinate things. And that's when ownership is starting to come about. That's when you see light at the end of the tunnel. That's also when they take, um, they, they're starting to own the processes and improving them on their own. That's when the transfer of ownership occurs as well, too. And as a leader, that's when things are feeling great again. Now, phase five is, a, is the phase of culture of strategy. So we're not done yet just because we got them to own things. You haven't extrapolated max, maximum value. Now we're trying to get the organization to look strategically together with you, which is also synonymous to trying to get them to think proactively, also trying to get them to think innovatively. You know how many organizations try to do that? but sometimes they haven't thought about the culture first, right? Well, that being said, um, that's another vulnerable point because sometimes we're thinking, oh my goodness, are we, re are we ready for, to have them think strategically with us? Is this going to open up potentially a can of worms? So that's where I, there's, there's um, we, you do have to hit that from multiple angles. I like to uh, 
compare that with um, opening up a floodgate, okay? Because the thing is, let's be real, as leaders, we've faced situations where we get a lot of um, suboptimal ideas. And if we don't um, receive them well, sometimes there can be some unhappy people. So that being said, having a clear direction, I like to use um, a line of sight vision, not the overall vision, which typically has a three to five year um, time span, a line of sight, which is more about one year that you can revisit it in like a quarterly increments, so like strategy sprints or um, something like that, something that's nimble so that you can adapt um, very quickly if the market environment shifts on you, which is very important in technology. I like that. I like yeah. how we're, we're wrapping on to go line of sight versus broad vision because sometimes that takes too long. And especially now in the way that rapid change, you need to be very nimble. So Andrew, thank you so much for being here. Yeah. So you've been listening to Silicon Valley Insider. My guest today is Dr. Andrew Kim, who wrote a book, Culture for Left Brain Leaders, Strategy, Tactics, Implementation for Transforming Results, available on amazon.com. Don't go away because we come back. Andrew's going to talk about his view on the pivot how people are going to implement these changes. Any questions or comments, email us at info at svn.biz and find us on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. I'll be right back to the close. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. On today's show, my guest has been Dr. Andrew Kim, a trained dentist, but also with an MBA and works a lot on strategy and culture. And his book that he just released is called Culture for Left Brain Leader, Strategy, Tactics, and Implementation for Transformative Results, available on Amazon. Welcome back, Andrew. Thank you, Keith. So welcome to The Pivot, where we're talking about change and how appropriate, because all this show, we've been talking about your experience your journey and how you decided to write a book on it. And so with this thought, and we said it earlier that things are shifting very fast. Uh, We ended the last segment with that you actually advocate for line of sight thinking versus a broad vision because sometimes it takes too long to implement. How do you think people are going to be iterating rapidly given that uh, the economy is moving very fast? Well, first of all, I'd like to advocate both of them on overall vision, but then actually a breakdown with line of sight visions. But, um, and it does give you the nimbleness to pivot appropriately. First of all, I think today's market landscape is something that, um, that we've never faced before. It is changing so rapidly and companies that are more rigid and have trouble adapting are having um, challenges uh, maintaining relevance to their both their employees and their customers. And I think uh, the pandemic just um, amplified that. And, and one thing is I don't think um, I don't think it's going to um, st- just stay the same. I think it's going to continue to adapt. And one of the most important things and value adds for uh, approaching um, an organizational culture intentionally is that such organizations are much more adaptable to change. I think that's a key thesis because um, I, I know one thing that people are talking about is how um, how the the labor market is changing, how um, how the cost of goods are going up, uh, more automation, AI may be taking 
over a lot of jobs and who knows, 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And is our government going to be uh, adequately prepared to shift the skill sets of such large number of people so that they're okay? Or they, is it going to be more socialistic? If it does, what's going to happen to... These are all topics I talk about regularly. And yes, yeah. automation <laughs> automation conservatively, McKinsey says, will affect 39 to 73 million American jobs in the next five or 10 years, which is about mm. 50% mm. labor force. Yes, that is um uh, that is a frightening statistic. And let's just imagine what the government is going to respond as, if you don't mind me just sure. talking about that a little bit. I mean, ideally, it would, I think the nicest solution would be in terms of preparing the workforce for a pivot in terms of their skill sets. However, I'm not too sure. <laughs> that might be a little bit over-optimistic. And so there might be some more social... Um, it might, it might get a bit more socialistic, to, to be frank. And what that's going to do is that's going to also um, impact the uh, how w- wages are, are um, calculated within the country. I think that the equilibrium is going to change. Now, faced with rising expenses, I think a lot of companies are going are gonna to have challenges uh, main, um, uh, staying viable within that. So companies need to excel at this thing where... The delta of the increase in wage, okay, uh, they need to be able to extrapolate more value than that delta. We're in, the, I mean, we're in Silicon Valley, right? Um, we've all ha- been in like, a, let's say, a technology team where you had a coworker who you're convinced actually is creating a net negative to the team, right? Whereas you've seen others where. Um, they're doing like the work of like two to three people, but they're not getting compensated for two to times more. It's, it's a percentage more higher. So that means that companies that are good at extrapolating that value, and even it with a delta that occurs um, in terms of pay, they're gonna be they're gonna stay competitive. Guess what? To extrapolate that value predictably, that's in culture again. <laughs> so I think in order to stay relevant for um, for companies, I think that more and more companies will need to invest in it. Some companies have have um, intentionally went through an organizational transformation during the pandemic. Um, during the pandemic, they use that as an opportunity because they know they had to do it, and they know they were losing relevance if they used it as an opportunity. Whereas those who just um, couldn't figure it out, they're starting to go bankrupt. You know, they're, they're starting to disappear one one at a time. So I think it's going to become, um, uh, there's going to be even more awareness about it. At the same time, um, more companies will be using it as a strategic advantage. Yep. Th- uh, thank you, Andrew. Thank you so much for being here again today. Thank you, Keith. So Dr. Andrew Kim, who just released his book, Culture for Left Brain Leader, Strategy, Tactics, and Implementation for Transformer Results. You can find that on Amazon.com. I can talk about these topics day and night because there is a shift happening. And if you have more questions about that, you can always email us at info at svn.biz. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn, where I talk about it all the time. And we will see you next week. You've been listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. For questions or comments on today's program or to schedule a complimentary consultation with Keith about your business, call 1-888-828-SVIN. That's 1-888-828-7846, 888-828-SVIN. 